Thanks for checking out this podcast from SWGFL. We're here to help teachers and education professionals support children and young people in all that they do online. Just to avoid any confusion, in autumn of 2022, we branded our podcasts as Interface. This is actually one of our older episodes from before the big rebrand, so it might sound a little bit different. However, there's still the same top quality advice and expert support throughout. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Safe and Empowered podcast. My name is Jess Macbeth. On today's interview, I talked to Stuart Allardyce and Lindsay Mullen from Stop It Now Scotland. Uh, Stop It Now is a a child protection charity uh, and their focus is on preventing sexual abuse. So we hear from Stuart about the charity and the work they do and perhaps unpicking a little bit some of our um, assumptions um, and ideas about offenders uh, and and, and child sexual abuse. And we talk about young people um, exhibiting harmful sexual behaviour and preventative approaches and and responses to that. We also hear from Lindsay about the ROSA project, which is a project uh, which is reducing online sexual abuse, where Lindsay works within uh, a secondary school in Glasgow. And we hear about the work that she does supporting young people directly and also wider preventive education as well. So really interesting conversation very much focused on what are young people saying, what kind of support and information are they looking for, and uh, tips for educators as well. So very much hope you enjoy uh, today's interview. Welcome to the Safe and Empowered podcast. I'm very pleased today to be sitting with Stuart Allardyce, Director of Stop It Now Scotland, and Lindsay Mullen, Project Coordinator for the ROSA Project. Welcome. Both of you. Thank you. Hi there. Thank you very much for hosting me today in sunny Glasgow. It's turned out quite nice <laughs> after the hail <laughs> earlier on. So, um, stop it now, Scotland. Stuart, tell us a bit about what the organisation is for those that haven't come across you before. Well, Jess, Stop It Now Scotland is a child protection charity. We're based in Edinburgh, but we cover the whole of Scotland. Um, uh, We're partly funded by the Scottish Government, um, and all of our work is about the prevention of child sexual abuse. Um, I think what our unique selling point is as, as as a charity is that some of our work involves working with people who've committed sexual offences. So we work with adult sex offenders, um, and we work with young people who have displayed harmful sexual behaviour. Um, and one of the things that we then try and do is take what we learn from working with people who have caused harm and try to take messaging from that around prevention. What do we learn from working directly with these individuals that could help us develop better resources for the public, uh, for professionals around the prevention of child sexual abuse. Okay, so is that what the ROSA project is about? Is it a prevention project? Yeah, I mean, my, my background, I'm, I'm not an educator, I'm a, I'm a social worker, um, but I used to work with young people who display harmful sexual behaviour. So usually young people who have been charged with sexual offences. And um, over the last kind of 10 or 15 years, we've seen more and more young people being referred to specialist services because they've been charged in relation to online offences. 
So that could be um, self-produced sexual images. It could be the online solicitation or grooming of younger children. It could be looking at sexual images of children themselves as adolescents. But a range of different kind of behaviours that, that, that kind of um, teenagers can become involved with where they might end up in conflict with the law about sexual behaviour online. Um, and one of the things that, that kind of struck me when I came over to Stopping Our Scotland about three years ago was that actually we know very little from research around young people who display those kind of behaviours online and get into trouble with, uh, with, with, with law enforcement because of this. So the ROSA project was, was developed um, so that we work directly with young people in Glasgow who are starting to get into trouble with online behaviour. People who are being referred in by the police, being referred in by teachers, being referred in by social workers. And these are generally individuals between the age of 12 and 18. Um, so we wanted to see what we would learn over two years working directly with those young people and evaluating a programme that we have uh, with them. But I think really vitally what we wanted to do was also share some of the learning from that project with a wider group of young people in a high school in, in Glasgow to see whether some of the things that we were learning from working directly with these young people could be turned into messaging and resources that might be useful around prevention that, that educators and other professionals could use. So you've been based in a high school, is that you Lindsay, you've yeah. been based out of a high school in Glasgow? That's right, I'm based in Sean's Academy so I work there, um, or I'm based there sorry, from one day a week. Um, part of the work there is I suppose introducing the project to the young people so we've done that via assemblies and PSE lessons. Um, I suppose what became quite apparent was that young people were not were a bit unsure about mm -hmm. Rosa and about you know um, you know what it was that how that would benefit them and they were a bit reticent about coming forward you know to come and speak to a, a virtual stranger in school about you know problems online. So what we tried to do to embed the service a wee bit was to Deliver a Rosa message through PSE. So the school have been amazing. They've been they've been really welcoming and really embraced the project. Um, and what we did was developed a, a kind of suite of resources, if you like, and a, a lesson for S one and S two around about internet safety. So generic stuff about you know what's private and personal information and what's okay to share, what's not okay to share. What apps are you using? What are the risks involved in these apps? Um, stuff about oversharing personal information, um, stuff about passwords, um, what else have we covered? Uh, stuff about your digital footprint and about being, I suppose, more of an influencer than a follower and thinking about, you know, the impact of your digital footprint and how that kind of follows you in life and kind of consequences around about, you know, kind of irresponsible internet use, stuff like that. So for S1 and S2, it's quite a light touch, very much an educational input um, and, you know, asking the young people to come on board and, and tell us about the stuff that they're using, the stuff, the apps that they're using, the information that they're sharing. And usually when you find young people, um, you know, when, when you allow them to get their phones out and show you, you know, the stuff that, they, that they're using, they become quite animated about that type of stuff. And so that was, it was really positive. So was that almost about breaking down some barriers then in terms mm -hmm. of developing a bit of a relationship is a that bit. I think um I think young young people are, are still a bit wary you know if you like and I think it's that face-to-face -face stuff or you know if I tell then she's going to tell my pastoral care teacher who might get in touch with my parents and you know they try to keep this I suppose problem solve on their own a lot um 
So it was a breaking down the barriers kind of exercise, but I think the really important message was even if they're not coming to us, you know, and confiding in relation to problems that they might be having online, we're still making an in in terms of reaching this massive audience within one school in Glasgow and developing a prevention message. So did the school approach you or did you approach the school? How, how did you end up in that school? And You, you mentioned that they were really um, kind of engaging. Do we I know think, how we um, ended up with the... I think there was projects that worked in the school before. There was, uh-huh. and, we, and we, we approached the, the, the school, which was, as you say, very receptive to uh, working both with, with S1 and S2, but also with, with, with older young yeah. people as well. Uh, and more specific issues around mm-hmm. online safety and sexual behaviour. Yeah, so for S3, I suppose to, from S3 up, we developed a programme around about um, keeping safe online. So, what again, what apps you're using, you know, what, what are you sharing? But we did some stuff around about sex in the law and sex in the internet, and I think that's been missing a lot in PSE. I think people are, are a bit hesitant about you know, actually broaching the subject head on and, and what the young people, their feedback for the young people was, that was probably the most relevant PSE lesson that we've had. You know, this is the stuff that we need to know. So it was actually about, well, what can you look at online? What's illegal to look at? What's the, what's the, you know, what's the yes and what's the no list, if you like? What's, um... Do you know what's pumping into my head there is this idea that we've done so much about sexting, which is about the individual and what they share, you know, so mm-hmm. don't share, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure we've even touched on and what is it okay to look at. Have mm-hmm. you thought about it from that perspective? So okay. we, we did stuff about, you know, what's okay, um, so what's legal, what's illegal, what, you know, what's okay to look mm-hmm. at, what's no, um, stuff about like downloading drop boxes and stuff like that because you don't know what's in them. Um, we did stuff about sex and the law. So you're at the age and stage where you're going to be making relationships and forming relationships and we do a bit about healthy relationships and you get that in, in PSE. You know, regularly, but we do some stuff around about, well, where is the boundaries when it comes to sex? What is the law? What is a sexual assault? So this is a, you know, you're committing a sexual assault when you touch mm-hmm. somebody, on you know, in a sexual way without their consent. What is consent? Do you do, and we do loads of stuff about consent, but online and offline consent. So thinking about... um in terms of sharing your location, but sharing somebody else's location when you tag them in a post or sharing somebody else's picture without their consent. You know, where, how does that make you feel? How would that make you feel if that happened to you? What if they've got family stuff going on that they can't, you know, they don't want to share their location or that's quite private information? So we do stuff around about that. Um, we do some stuff about um, sex and the law, sex and the internet. So what is what is an indecent selfie? What is an indecent image, right? So starting off with that, what's the difference between taking a picture of yourself in your bra and your knickers than a, taking a picture of yourself in a bikini on the beach? essentially it's the same thing so what, what's the difference in terms of the context of the pictures and then what is the law in relation to that um, so do you, do you know if you take a, an image or if you permit somebody else to take an image of you you know and you're under 18 and it's a sexualised image that would be an offence so being yeah. really explicit about what is the law in relation to young people and and putting that in a PSE lesson and I think um, well, the, the the feedback that I get for the young people is that it was really well received, and that they were saying, you know, this is this is the stuff that we should be doing. This this is the stuff that we need to know. This so that's you as an educator and yeah. kind of promoting that conversation and helping them to do some self reflection and maybe some group work. Mm. And you but also anything? making myself available at the end and saying, you know, if right. there is any 
thing that you're concerned about or I'm going to be in school every Thursday so you can come and speak to me or you can speak to a pastoral care teacher and say, can you set up a meeting with Lindsay? And, and they don't need to know what that's about, do you know? And has that um, model worked, do you think? Um, not as well as I would have liked, but I think that just knowing that I'm there, we have loads of informal chats that don't lead to referrals, um, but we have, you know, loads of chats. Mm-hmm. And so can I, can I just run something by you, that sort of thing? But that, do you know, if it wasn't for me, then... I don't mean if it wasn't for me, but if I wasn't there, then I don't know if that same conversation would take pla- place with a pastoral care teacher. And I think some of that stuff is that even teachers in the schools are a bit unsure about how to respond to questions. Yeah, I'm sure that's so the case. So that stuff about, you know, if somebody comes to you with an issue and they're saying, or, like, maybe there's a video going around about school or somebody's bullying me in terms of online stuff... And the response is, well, we'll just report them and block them, which is sound advice. But they're not asking the bigger questions in terms of child protection stuff. So about, you know, well, is this the first time that somebody's asked you to send an image? Or was there any force or coercion involved in sending that image? Or do you know who else has seen that image? Or do you know, asking bigger questions, if you like. Mm-hmm. So that's a, um, something that the school has asked me to take up in terms of staff training. So well, that's brilliant. So that's Good for that. But I think there's something quite interesting in that because uh, for, for that teacher that provides that advice about we'll just block that individual and report it, as you say, I mean that that's good advice at a certain level. Mm-hmm. But if the person is 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 blocked, who's been, um, for instance, um, you know, sending sexualized messages to various kind of peers in the school, then being blocked by an individual will mean that they will probably just. Then send messages to somebody else, perhaps somebody else more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, from a prevention point of view, it doesn't doesn't make an awful lot of sense. It deals with the problem that's immediately there, but it doesn't actually tackle it from a prevention point of view. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you know when I talk to educators, I think they are not clear necessarily about the advice to give when it's online. So things like anonymous accounts, and you know, it, it, there is a complexity there in terms yeah. of knowing what the right response is. Mm-hmm. I wonder whether there's, an, whether there's an element of, well, a couple of things here. One, that kind of victim-perpetrator um, dynamic that, mm-hmm. we, that we quite often tend to use. So we, 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 we very much work with young people in terms of them being potential victims. Yep. And we also work with them in terms of what they need to do to keep themselves safe. Yeah, mm-hmm. we don't necessarily look at the kind of wider context or the other things that need to change to keep um, young people safe. I suppose, and in, in terms of showings, um, there's the MVP um, program within that school, um, and there's a an input there about sending, um, sharing text messages, you know, sexting if you like like that. So that's mentors for violence prevention. Yeah. yeah. So there's an there is a couple of modules within the MVP programme that deals with the stuff that I would cover within Rosa. Um, so I've been on the MVP training and that's something that we're looking at rolling out as well because um, so it's but it's finding the right group of young people to deliver that message to be peer educators as well. So it takes a wee bit of investment and in training, mm-hmm. you know, in, in your actual young people's group. What's your point, Jess, about kind of, um, we normally think about people as perpetrators or victims? Mm, sorry. 
No, so I was just thinking about a lot of our messaging. You know, it comes from the idea of online safety. And so it's about keeping yourself safe. And we tend to individualise that quite a lot in my experience. So we we do tell young people what they need to do to keep themselves safe and not necessarily think of the wider context or the motivations around about behaviour. And that might be why we don't see changes in behaviour, because if we just focus on behaviour and not the reasons for it, we don't, you know, we don't really explore what, why you know a young person is is undertaking something but it was also that idea of um you know harmful sexual behavior and people who you know exhibit that kind of behavior and it's easy to characterize them Mm -hmm. in a way that that demonizes them and we don't really want to think about them we don't want to you know we want to look at the victims and how you can protect yourself and it's this idea of maybe we need to look more at why some people get into behaviour that is harmful for other people. And that includes young people, because we know that there is peer-on-peer um, mm-hmm. abusive um, activity, don't we? We, we, we already mentioned um, abusing younger children, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like cross, crossing that line, at threshold, and how we support young people to cope with that, change direction, etc. I think it's really important insofar as... If you look at what we know from victimisation data in the UK, it would suggest that at least a third of sexual abuse is perpetrated by young people themselves. And that seems to hold true both with respect to kind of contact sexual abusive behaviour towards younger children and towards peers and what have you, but also online behaviour as well. So a significant amount of harm is perpetrated by young people. But there's, there's actually... Um, a kind of paradox here as well, which is that the vast majority of young people who get into trouble because of their sexual behaviour at some point in their adolescence do not persist in that behaviour into adulthood. Now, we don't know why that is, but we have some really credible data to kind of suggest that, that, the, that these are not many adult sex offenders, that these are young people who are making mistakes in their adolescent development, um, mistakes that they probably learn from in some way. That's the important thing. Where did they learn them and how did they learn them? Well, they, they, they can learn them from, from lots of different contexts. And, and, and it's probably worthwhile kind of remembering that there is a kind of gender profile in all of this, that although girls can be involved with, with online and offline harmful sexual behaviour, the vast majority are boys. So there are probably things around peer pressure and uh, gender values and toxic masculinity and what have you that we we certainly need to consider in in all of this. There's also, um, we know that for those that are involved with contact harmful sexual behaviour, most studies are telling us that, that between a third and a half have been sexually abused themselves. And one of the things that increasingly we learn from the research around technology-assisted harmful sexual behaviour is that although that doesn't seem to hold as true for young people who are getting into trouble with respect to their online behaviour, whether it's looking at images that they soon or whether it's online solicitation, um, there does seem to be a kind of high prevalence of young people who have been sexually exploited online in that group often young people who don't conceptualise what's happened to them as exploitative. Mm. Um, So back to your point, where do people learn things from? They learn things from attitudes and values and they learn things from experiences. 
Uh, and for some some individuals, those will be formative experiences that will be very difficult for them to, to grow beyond in some way. But they're the minority. The majority of young people do learn from, mm-hmm. from experiences and do learn to make healthier choices over time. I think that's really important for educators to take into account because one of the knee-jerk things that we do when young people get into trouble with both online or offline sexual behaviour in school settings is we usually exclude them. And these are often the kids that actually need the most help in terms of social interactions. I mean, you can understand that. If you looked at that from a school perspective, yeah. you know, the easiest thing is to remove the problem, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's more difficult, presumably, not to exclude. It's, or, or is it, are you, are you causing yourself problems longer term if you do exclude? You know, one of the things that we sometimes kind of talk about in the, in, in the work that we do is, is that, you know, rather than kind of, you know, running to a position where we um, uh, have to think about what are the things that a person can't do, maybe we should think about what can a person do safely with support. So it may be the case, for instance, that a young person has got into trouble with some behaviour that they've been involved with in um, changing rooms in the gym and they go swimming two or three times a week. And the knee-jerk reaction would be, right, they they can't go to the swimming pool anymore. But actually, the swimming pool is incredibly important in terms of their their, their weekly activity. How do we make that more safe for that individual? And that might be about supervision or monitoring. It might be about adults that are around at the time. There might be about particular things that we set up in terms of rules that the person needs, needs to follow. But... And that all of that might not be possible in the end, but we need to start from a position of thinking about, is there a way of making this safe? Yeah, which is a different mindset. Yeah, it's quite a different mindset, isn't it? So I'm conscious of time. I know it goes by so quick already. Let's try and, um, I suppose, pull together the strands, really. From an educator's perspective, let's just summarise, what are some of the main messages that we're suggesting for them to think about? So you've talked, Stuart, about this kind of knee-jerk reaction, which is totally understandable, mm-hmm. but maybe looking at things in a slightly different perspective um, and thinking about that individual and how we can work with them in a way that supports them to behave safely and perhaps change direction, rather than pulling the rug from under their feet. Okay, that was one mm-hmm. thing. Lindsay, you'd mentioned some things earlier on as well, haven't you, in terms of... I think about just having general conversations. I think rather than framing lessons as always the teacher standing in front of the class and speaking at the young people, um, the feedback for the steering group that I haven't shown to young people about, you know, how can we make lessons a bit more interesting or a bit more relevant or whatever, is that young people are saying we would like to actually have more conversations. It would be good just to sit down and say, right, here's your topic, tell us what you know. And, you know, for young people to actually have the opportunity to speak and, you know, use their voice and be, make themselves heard. For example, based on the back of a conversation like that, I'm asking the young people in Shawlands to rewrite some PSE lessons around about internet safety for a young person's perspective about what advice would you give to your your younger self? And this oh, is how they're framing that. their, their PSE lessons. Uh-huh. So th- it's just been a bit more creative about, you know, we have this group of young people who are already engaged. Um, how do we best use that? Um, so conversation, dialogue, creating, you know, a space. Do you know, it often comes back to the same things, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, sim- simple mm-hmm. things, but, but time-consuming, and sometimes they take effort as well. So the Rosa Project, have you got a limited time span for that? Is it funded for a certain period of time? Um, it's a three-year funded project, so we're nearly a year, well, about a year and a half. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... 
So it's another year and a half, and it'll just be continue to for you to be in Shawlands for the next year and a half. Yeah. Okay. And is there potential for other schools? Is there or is that maybe further down the line? Um, no. So Shawlands Rosa is specifically an action research project with Shawlands as being the primary focus. Um, however, I do I have delivered one off inputs to other schools, you know, on request if they've been struggling with a particular issue around about internet safety within a school. But, I think but the, it's not. Yeah. I mean, the idea is really about whether we can, particularly in that last year, uh, work with young people collaboratively to develop some resources and some training materials for educators and other professionals um, that can help mm-hmm. more effective responses to this kind of issue. And um, I, I mean, just. You know the, the the message you you were you were, you were giving about kind of blocking and so forth. I mean, one of the things I really take from the from, from this project is young people seeing very clearly to us that one of the biggest anxieties, if they're starting to get involved with behaviour online that's getting a bit out of control, is that if they go to an adult and they speak to that adult about what's going on, then the adult will immediately take them offline. Mm-hmm. That's whether the, that's absolutely parent, the biggest fear of the, the removal. And going back to that thing about safety, what young people are saying is they would much prefer it if if adults were able to say to them, "Look, okay, I know how important online you you having access to social media and uh, online uh, avenues is so important for you. What we need to do now is think about how we make that safe for you. Yeah, and that might involve taking away some of these electronic items, but it might not be. Yeah. Totally, and that's very much this idea of kind of empowering, isn't mm-hmm. it, and, and recognising that we're, we're digital citizens. And for some young people, they're getting so much out of being online that to just take it away, so it's, it's huge. Okay, so anything, any other resources that it's useful to point people to if they'd like to know more about Rosa or more about Stop It Now or anything else? The website. Probably the best thing to look at, uh, there is some stuff about Rosa online, but um, the best thing to look at um, is that we have a website called Upstream. If you Google um, Upstream and stop it now, um, uh, other search engines are available. And um, you'll get to a website which is actually for the general public about child sex abuse prevention. It has a lot of stuff around online safety in it. And actually, if you go to the section for communities, there's a, a section specifically for schools and educators looking at kind of resources there that, that we're aware of in a scholar's context. Great. That's fabulous. Thank you very much Thank for you. your time, both of you. Thank Thanks. you.